to the church, becoming a member, just learn, wanting to know what we believe, or if you've not been and want to jump in on the, another free t-shirt and lunch, then that's coming up the first Sunday of August, and you can text that number or let me know that you're interested in going, and I'll get you signed up. Also, back on the blue barrel is a sign-up sheet for VBS. If you've not signed up and you want to help with VBS, sign up. And then also, there's an announcement that I made last week that didn't make it to the video. It was kind of a last minute because it kind of contradicted with our VBS dates. But we have been asked, and I think this is an awesome opportunity, and you've got to think, wow, God is just awesome opening up this door. But Eastridge Elementary, the principal there and the volunteer coordinator has asked for us to come and set up a table during registration for students. And so this Tuesday night, Thursday night, next Monday night, and the following Monday, we're going to be there. And I think they're registering different grades each day, on, and that's how it works. But we are going to be there with a table representing our church. I think it's an awesome opportunity that while they go in to be able to register their kids, there's going to be a table there. And I've been told that if they come up to our table, we can tell them and talk their ear off anything about the church. And because school's not in session, it's allowed. So, and so we've been invited to come set up a table. So our plan is to set up a table, have pictures of some of the things that we've done have flyers for our VBS since we're going to start this Tuesday and Thursday, have flyers for our church to be able to invite people, have some of our bracelets. And I'm going to go to Sam's and I'm going to get those little candy bars that everybody loves. So that way we can attract them to our table, if nothing else, then for the candy bars and give them that mouthful while they're there. So they'll get more than just a mouthful of candy. But I think it's an awesome opportunity. Like that just does not happen to everybody and that we've been invited to do so and so certainly want to let you know about that if you're able to help any of those days there's a sign up sheet for that as well amen amen glory to God I'm going to pull out my phone sit it right there it is silent but that way I know what time it is so that way everybody gets out in time by like two o'clock, right? Is that a good time? Okay. Okay. Well, I don't know if I've ever done this before, um, but I am re-preaching what I preached last week. I began to prepare this week for a sermon that I was going to preach this morning As I printed it off last night, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you're going to be so busy at Eastridge Elementary School and Vacation Bible School that that's really what I want you to work on for next week, part of this sermon series. But he said, and some of y'all looking at me, you're like, well, what do you mean you're preaching? I didn't get to finish last week because it was that good. Like it was that, it was that meaty and that full of meat. And so what I plan to do this morning, and I've never done this before, is go through my introduction, give you a couple highlights from point one that was like 20 pages long, and then give you point two and three, which I never got to last week, because it's that much needed for the church and the body, and I didn't want to miss it, I didn't want you to miss it, and I want to make sure you got it, because this is a time where the enemy is trying to lie to the people in this church. He's trying to lie this lie to this church. He's trying to, to discourage us. But there's fruit being made and there's victories being won. And we need to know the enemy's tactics. And so certainly want to do this today. Real quick, before I do get into the Word, there is a VBS meeting directly after service today for those volunteers that's helping with VBS. And then we'll be decorating and getting ready for VBS. Genesis chapter 3, same five verses. 
Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Would you pray for me? And I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father God, I come to you right now and I pray that this word would penetrate the hearts of your people. That this word would be a word that encourages your people, God. Encourages your people and prepares them for the cunning ways and the uh, decisive ways that the enemy would try to divide us and to set us back. God, I pray, God, that, that those that heard it last week, that you would pull out new revelation for them that you'd pull out new meaning to them, that they would grow closer to you and grow closer with this word and that it would even more so encourage them more than it did last week. And God, in the words that I haven't even preached yet or shared, God, may you help those to be developed as much as last week, God. God, I pray, God, that the word would go into the hearts of your people, God, that they would receive it and be ready. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray today. I don't know of any other way to start this with just by telling you the same thing I said last week. There's just something I need to get off my chest. I need to get it off my chest. When I get text in the morning saying we're not going to make it a church, whatever the reason is, it could be sickness. It could be like the worst thing in the world. Literally. And the devil will start speaking in my ear, telling me lies. Well, let me get it off my chest. The devil is a liar. That's right, say it with me. The devil is a liar. He's not just any old liar. He's the father of lies. Are you reading my notes? I'm just, I'm just. He's the biggest stinking liar in the whole world. He, in fact, he's the biggest liar that's ever lived. Jesus called him the father of lies. That means he's the guy who came up with the concept. He's the big kahuna of the shady deal. He's the daddy of deception. He's the original Lion King. Get it? <laughs> Just as funny the second week, wasn't it? He probably likes all those titles in his own cocky kind of way, but I've got another one he probably don't like too well because it reminds him of his fate. He's the ultimate liar, liar, pants on fire. So you'll have to excuse me because I'm just still a week later ticked off at the devil. I'm ticked off at what he's telling my people. And you're my people. If you hadn't learned that, you're my people. You're my family. You're my friends. If you need me and you call me at 10 o'clock at night, I'm going to answer. And my wife will say, who are you talking to? And I'm like, Jake from State Farm. Because <laughs> I'm trying to protect your identity. <laughs> and what you're going through, because she don't need that at 10 o'clock at night. 
With that low-down, dirty, rotten, two-timing, lying, stealing, cheating, good-for-nothing devil is on my bad side. You want to know why? I'll tell you why. I know what he's up to, and I don't like it. He's up, most of all, he's up to try to make God upset. It really ultimately has nothing to do with you and me. We're made in the image of God, and he don't like God, and he don't like that he was kicked out of heaven. And so he's trying to make God upset. And he'll come after you because he knows he can try to come after God that way. Because God loves you. God loves you with an unfailing love. He'll try to steal you away from God. He'll come after you and your family because he knows it's going to hurt the church. He knows if he can hurt one church, he can hurt them all. If he knows he can hurt all the churches, he can hurt Christianity. I know what he's up to and I don't like it. The devil is after you and he's after the church. Let me tell you some reasons I don't like him. Satan hates God. Now that really ticks me off, Brother Dan, because I love God. God's done so much for me, and I really love him. And he hates God. So that just, that's just makes me ticked off at the devil. Satan's real enemy is God, but because he's powerless against God, he attacks those closest to the heart of God, you and me. Oh, and here's another one. Satan hates the way God takes care of his people. I have no doubt that Satan hated that check being wrote and put in James's hand and trust in James's hand to give it to me. Testimony all in itself. And the devil hated it all along the way. He hates the way that God takes care of his people. He hates the way that God takes care of the church. That's why he wanted to take a shot at Job. He resented the way God was taking care of him. You remember what he said to Job? Let me paraphrase. Oh, sure, God. Sure, he serves you. What do you expect? You've got this wall of protection around him and his nice big house and his nice big family and everything he owns. He's, he just got it all together, God, and everything that he does is blessed and everything he does is blessed and the guy's filthy rich for Pete's sake. He owns enough livestock to open up a zoo. No wonder Job loves you. But you take down that wall, God, and you give me a shot at him, and I'll make sure that he talks back to you and curses you to your face. And just like that, he was after Job. And he's after you and me today. He hates God, and he hates all that he created. But he is smart. He won't come right to you and say, Heather, I hate you. He won't come right to you and say, Denny, I don't like you. The devil's smarter than that. Like, like if, if he came right to you and just said, Philip, you don't need to believe in God. Like, you wouldn't believe that. You wouldn't even entertain that because you come to church and you believe in God. You wouldn't even entertain that lie. He is so smart in the way he acts. He's so smart in what he comes up with. It would be too obvious if he came to you and told you his ultimate goal. You know what he does? He makes you think that he's on your side. So he tells you, your way is the best way. Do what you want. You're intelligent. You're right. You're a good person. You don't need anybody telling you how to live. And all that is his sneaky way of getting you not to do the things God's way. That way he never even has to mention how much he hates God or you and he still gets the same results. I'm telling you, the devil is a liar. He's always been and he always will be. And anytime you lie, there's a reason. Anybody ever told a lie before? If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. <laughs> Broken a vase, out past curfew. You was with the wrong person at the wrong place at the wrong time and you lied about it. Covering up something that you don't want someone else to know, you're telling a lie. And that's what this message is all about. 
Who's on the telephone? Oh, it's Jimmy. Tell him I'm gone. Hard to do that with cell phones now. It's like, oops, there's Jimmy. My phone was dead. <laughs> Jimmy, I know you've been trying to call me all week, but I didn't have a phone charger. My phone bill got cut off. I know you saw me post on Facebook, but, but listen, my, my phone bill got cut off. I was using my friend's next door Wi-Fi, and they let me use it. We tell lies and we cover up something. That's what the devil is trying to do. He is trying to cover up. Tell him, Cole. Trying to cover up. He's trying to cover up his tracks. He's trying to cover up the, the real reason he's after you. He's trying to cover up the real reason he's out to destroy your family. He's trying to cover up the real reason he's trying to destroy the church. And so last week I told you that there are three main reasons. They're not the only reasons. But there are three main reasons. And number one, I'm going to highlight because I preached last week, is to discredit God. He's out to discredit God. Genesis 3, 5, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, what's he really up to with a lie like that? It's a backhanded way of discrediting God. He has been at it from the very beginning and nothing has changed. He wants us to believe that God is not really as good as we think he is. He goes about attaining the goal a couple of ways. He tricks us into thinking that we can somehow be good enough on our own. That we can somehow get it all figured out. He wants us to think that we've got it all figured out, that, that we've made it, that our word almost becomes gospel, really. That's what he wants us to think. Understand with me, it wasn't wrong for Eve to be like, to want to be like God. It was wrong for her to want to be God and know and have all this power. As Christians, we should want to live as Christ lived, to be like him, to live like him, to talk like him, to walk as he walked. There's nothing wrong with that, but there was nothing wrong, there was something wrong with Eve when she wanted to be like her creator. Because what made it wrong was when Satan told her she could become more like God by defying God's authority. By taking God's place, by deciding for herself what's best for her life and guess what church she believed it sometimes we believe things knowing that it defies the word of God the spirit of this world is to get you to believe in a lie the problem is this if you believe in his lies then you cannot believe in his truth I'm going to say it again this way if you believe in the devil's lies then you can't believe in God's truth Alarm goes off at 9 o'clock in the morning. Church starts on Sunday morning, 10.30. Every Sunday, you know it starts at 10.30. Every Sunday. It doesn't start at 10.35, 10.40, It starts at 10.30. And you know it. Your alarm goes off at 9 o'clock and you say, Man, I am tired. And you start hearing that voice whisper in your ear saying, just go ahead, turn your alarm off and go back to sleep. Now, if you was here this week, last week, I'm sorry, I have to step on your toes again two weeks in a row. One lady said, you were stepping on their toes today, Pastor. I said, I know, and I'm willing to do it again if I need to. But what happens is, we say, oh, I'm tired and I need to go back to sleep and I need rest. And that's what the devil is telling you to do. And it's the truth. You are tired. You do need rest. 
but you don't miss church just because you need rest. It's called going to bed earlier. It's called going at home and taking that Sunday afternoon nap. It's called remember the seventh day and keep it holy. And quit trying to tackle everything on Saturday because that's the only day you feel like you can do anything. Understand me. The devil comes at you in a way to tell you a part of a truth to make you believe in a lie. Because sure enough, when Eve were, was going to eat that fruit, her eyes was going to be opened. Oh, I'm naked. Adam, you need to put something on. You're naked too. Her eyes was open. The devil said her eyes would be open. All of a sudden, she knew she had done something wrong. She had the knowledge of good and evil. She knew what wrong was. If she had stepped on a bug in the garden before that, she wouldn't have known that that bug was dead. She had eternal life too. Let me tell you that. There was no need for redemption. There was no need for eternal life before she had lost before she had ate the fruit. She had eternal life. There was no need for redemption. Even if her body were to age at that time, because some theologians say your body would have aged, some say they wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered. 900 years later and her, her spirit left, she would walk right into the presence of the Lord. But no, she chose to disobey God. And that's what the enemy does. He says, oh, it's okay to do this it's just one time how many know it's never one time like for me if it's brownies I can't just have one if it's Oreos I can't just have ten if it's little Debbie's that box is going away it's not making it through the night. But that is exactly what the devil does. He tells us that, oh, it's okay. You just go ahead and do this and it'll be all right. You're tired. Just go ahead and miss church this week. He tries to discredit God. He tries to discredit his truth. I didn't say it last week, so this is new, but it still applies the same. Oh, you got bills to pay. You don't have to give your tithe this week. I'm trying to give you some real-life scenarios without stepping on your toes too bad this week. But it's the truth. The big lie that the devil uses so often is that good can be attained by doing evil. And he talked Eve into believing she had found a shortcut to being like God, that she could be like God without God's help. If it could, we wouldn't need God, which is exactly what the devil wants us to believe. Satan to Eve. You can do this without God. Just eat the fruit. Satan does. You're good enough to make it to heaven. Just be a good person. You don't need God. You don't need church. You don't need the Bible. You don't need to pray. That's exactly what we hear. When I'm convinced that the war is fought on your knees, you can do more on your knees than you can do with your hands. We need God. We need God's help. Isaiah 53, 6 says it like this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why do sheep go, away, go astray from the shepherd? Why do Christians go off course from Jesus? Why do people drift away from the church? Because they think they can do this thing called life on their own. They think they can do it their own way. They think they got it all figured out. Come on, somebody. 
There's a million things I can think of, but let me put one that's fresh on some of y'all's minds. Drug addicts think they can do it by themselves. And they never reach out to anybody for help. They never seek any program. They never, and they say, you know what? I can just quit. We can't be good by ourselves. You've got to have accountability. You've got to have brothers and sisters that's going to pray with you and encourage you. God has orchestrated and set it up so that you can make it to heaven. But you've got to go with God's plan. You can't do it your way. So sheep go astray from the shepherd and Christians get off course and, and people drift away from the church because they try to do things they all their own way. They think they got it all figured out. They think they know enough that whatever happened to Ricky Bobby when he left the church won't happen to them. Understand me. God would not have sent his son to die for us if we were capable of salvation by being good. We are rebellious sinners is what we are. We think we can do things God's way, our way, without doing it God's way. We need God. We've all sinned. We've all fell short of his glory. But you know where it starts? The devil doesn't start by walking up to you and saying, you don't need God. He doesn't walk up to you and say, you don't need God. That, that is not where he starts. If he did, as a believer in church, every week we would instantly spot that and know that is a lie. And how the devil usually starts is, did God really say you needed this sermon? Oh, yes. Did God really say you needed this sermon again a second week? Some of you already, already, you know, you're, you're, you're agreeing with me. But you know what? When you heard that, oh, he's preaching the same thing again this week, that's the question of the enemy that comes into your mind. Did God really say to your preacher that he needed to preach this sermon a second week? Did God really say that you needed this sermon series? The enemy doesn't stop there, does he? He gets in an inch and he takes a mile. He asks next, you don't really need this sermon series, do you? And that one day turns into two or three weeks. Then what does the devil do? Oh, you're tired. You're not had a day to yourself. It's okay to miss church this week. You need your rest. Yes, you need your rest. You need your family time. But that is just like the devil to mix in enough truth to make it sound true. The devil mix in enough truth to make it sound true. But let me tell you, 1 Corinthians 14, 33 tells me that God is not the author of confusion. In other words, his word is already clear. His word is the absolute truth. You can take it to the bank and it's not going to bounce. You can take it to the workplace and it's not going to fall void. You can take it into your home and you can speak it. And let me tell you, the devil cannot come into your home when you stand upon his word. You can take it to the church and you can preach it and you can know that God will build his church and that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Even when it feels like all oh, hell is breaking loose and everything is falling apart, the one thing that never changes is God's word. His word is true, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. No wonder we can't do it with our own hand. We have to pray and speak his word. And the devil will tell you, you don't need to get into his word. He'll tell you, you would already know what it says. He'll tell you, you're not even going to understand it and comprehend it anyways. He'll tell you, you read too slow. There's no way you're going to read it enough to get what you need out of there. But let me tell you, if you listen to any of those lies, oh, some of y'all just said, well, I, I am a slow reader, preacher. Oh, I don't understand what it's saying. Let me tell you, he mixes in a partial truth to tell you or a partial lie to make it sound like it's true. But let me tell you, you need God's word. I don't care if it's one verse that you read and it says Jesus wept. Let me tell you, just in those two words, it has the power to set you free. Amen. No wonder God, God's word tells us 
Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhort and encourage one another. Listen to that. But exhort and encourage one another. Let me say it again. But exhort and encourage one another. And even more as my day and my return is approaching. The enemy is so mad at the church and he's trying to come against the church and we're supposed to assemble ourselves together. We're supposed to encourage and exhort one another with the word. If you get out of the habit of not listening to his word and not reading his word, then you'll believe any lie. And how can you be like God without God? How can, how can you be like God without his word? How can you be a Christian without Christ? It is impossible. Satan whispers in your uh, ears and tells you that, that it's okay, you're a good person. Don't fall for it. Good people who die without God still go to a place called hell. Oh, it got silent. But too many preachers that quit preaching the truth on hell. Let me tell you the truth about hell. Hell is a place where bad people and good people who are not saved and don't have a relationship with God go. Hell was not created for humans. God has given each of us a choice. He created it for the ultimate liar himself. And if you choose to listen to his lies instead of God's truth, He's going to take as many down that will listen to his lies. He goes to discredit God. Whether it's doubt, discouragement, distraction, defeat, delay, they're all of the de devil. And he'll get us even disappointed. And he'll say, where is your God now? When bad things happen. When trouble happens. If God really loved you, wouldn't he, ha wouldn't he have let this happen to you? He'll blame all the bad stuff on God, knowing that he's behind the scenes doing it all. God didn't make the world bad. When he finished with his creation, he looked at it and said it was good. You studied that in the Hebrew, it was perfect. It was flawless. But sin made the world bad, and it all started with a lie from the devil. The devil has been twisting the truth for centuries trying to get man to believe that everything wrong, is wrong with the world is God's fault. I'm telling you, he is a liar. It's about time for you to give credit where credit is due. The evil in this world is the result of sin in this world. Don't blame God, blame the devil. The Lord is good, the devil is bad. We got a whole book to remind us. The verse that says, For the Lord is good and His mercy endureth forever. His faithfulness continues to all generations. Another favorite of mine says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Another verse says, Psalms 80, 86, 5 says, You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call you. He's good. And the devil is bad. God is so good that He's going to prepare a place for us that is perfect and free from sin. Heaven. It's everything that we want, Brother Dan. It's everything that we sing about. And that old liar, the devil, can't get in that place, and he's so mad because he can't get in that he doesn't want you getting in either. So he goes around breaking stuff, causing all sorts of evil and drama in the world, and then he comes around with the lie that it's God's fault. Don't believe it. God loves you. He wants the very best for you. He always has. Amen. He tries to discredit God. So listen to this. God's word had never been in question until Satan came slithering on the scene. Suddenly, Eve had a choice to make. Am I going to trust God's word, what God said? And listen to this. This is new, so go ahead and start listening now if you've drowned me out so far. We can dwell and look at everything negative that's going on. Or we can look at everything positive that God is doing. Catch this. God created the garden. He created the whole world. 
everything. He created this wonderful garden, put Adam and Eve in it, and he said it was good. It's perfect. It's without flaw. Everything was good. He told Adam he could hang out with all the animals. I, I don't believe that Adam had to worry about a lion chasing after him. No. Told Adam he could hang out all, with all the animals. And he says, while there's no real compatible friend, Rover over there is not going to be the closest friend you ever had. I'm going to create Eve, and I'm going to make her perfect and without flaw. And all of a sudden, Adam had Eve. They had it great. Everything was good. And the devil took their focus and put their focus on the one thing he said they couldn't have. Think about what he's trying to do right now in some of your lives. Some of the things you shared with me this week. He is trying to make you think on the one thing, the one prayer that you've not had answered yet. The one flaw that you see. The one thing that, 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 that has really been pressuring you. Because the devil knows if he can get you looking at the negative and the bad things and get your eyes off on everything else that God has done for you and get your eyes off on everything that God is doing for you. The devil knows if he can get, get your eyes off of all the good things and start looking at the negative, then he can get you. He can get you to fall. He can get you to stumble. No wonder sometimes I'll go to, I'll go to pray for somebody and, the, and they'll be healed one week, you know, whatever it may be. I don't know. I'm just going to make something up. We're going to say it's a broken right leg. Then the next week they broke, break their left leg and they're like, oh, pastor, my, my left leg's broken. How did they forget that God just healed the right leg? Because the enemy will make us focus on the one bad thing and not look at the good thing that he's already done. And if God is faithful to heal the right leg, then let me tell you, God is faithful to heal the left leg. If he's faithful to answer that prayer, then he's faithful to answer the prayer you've been praying. I don't care what it is. The enemy will try to get you to look at the negative. And not the one thing that you can't have and the one thing that hasn't happened yet and the one prayer you've been praying that you've not seen the answer yet. The next thing you know, you think, oh my goodness. You get a bill in the mail and you don't know how you're going to pay it, but all your other bills are paid. Your son or daughter's running away from the Lord. Your sister or your brother's running away from the Lord. But you've seen them say living for the Lord once. You know the same God that did it once can do it again. He'll try to lie to you, get you focused so much on the negative that you can't see the positive. So he's trying to get Eve, trying to get on Eve's good side by, look, by having her look at the one thing she can't have. And we're just like Eve. The closer we get to God's rules, the lines, the more we resent the fact that they have been drawn. We become curious if we keep staring at something really that we really want, we become. And if God doesn't give it to us, we become resentful and think, if God's not going to give it to me, I'll just get it myself. And we may think we're pretty smart at first, but sooner or later we will feel the bite of the serpent. We got to do God's, things God's way. God's way is better. God's way is the best way. You know, the devil also needs a lie to disguise his purpose. Luke chapter 4, verse 5 through 7 says this. The devil led him, talking about Jesus. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. The devil offers power, but he really plans to make us slaves. 
Everybody has heard that hit song by Charlie Daniels, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. Mm. I have a feeling that song would not be so popular if it wasn't for a fiddle. If it just didn't have a catchy tune, it just wouldn't be so popular. That may have made for a hit song, but let me tell you something. You don't make a deal with the devil. He's not only a liar, he's a cheater, and you can't trust anything he says. If you're taking notes, write this down. The devil will never give you something without taking something greater of value away from you. The devil will never give you something without taking something of greater value away from you. You could gain the whole world, but yet lose your own soul. That's the only kind of deal he makes. He came to tempt Jesus in the wilderness and look at his offer. The kingdoms of this world are all mine. I can give them to anyone I want to and you can have all their authority if you will worship me. Sounds like a pretty enticing deal to me. Why was he willing to give up authority over the kingdoms of the world? Because if Jesus had agreed, he would never gain something greater which he didn't have. The authority over God. The devil didn't have authority over God. But Jesus said no, and because he said no, God has exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. I came to tell you this morning, that the devil only makes deals to get what he wants. Here's the kind of deals he makes. I'll make you popular. All you have to do is drink a few drinks. I'll make you accepted. All you have to do is do a few drugs. I'll make you the head of the company. All you have to do is cheat your way up the ladder to get there. I'll make sure your boyfriend marries you somewhere down the line. All you have to do is let him know that you love him now. I'll make sure you get the job. All you have to do is lie a little at the interview at who you really are. I'll make sure that you are the most popular. All you got to do is listen to me. He's got a million deals and they sound great up front, but he'll take something of greater value away from you every time. The things you bargain for will enslave you. He will disguise it and make the things look good up front, but he will enslave you in the end. He offers riches, but he really plans to make you a pauper. Not only did he offer Jesus power, he also offered him riches. Money is a powerful influence. People with money are people with power. So he will lie and tell us that the key to being happy and successful, successful in life is having money. And we fall for it. We get caught up in this possession obsession. We got to have it all. We got to have it more. We got to catch them all. We got to have the latest thing. We've got to have the newest. We got to drive the bestest. We got to have the biggest and the best. We got to work longer and harder. But remember, if you make a deal with the devil, he'll always take something of greater value than what he gives. Many people become wealthy the devil's way, but they forfeit their family, they forfeit their marriage. They forfeit their health. They forfeit their good reputation. They forfeit their soul. Oh, yeah, the devil loves to play. Let's make a deal. And he always wraps up his evil plans in pretty packages. Think of that game, deal or no deal. Oh, it cringes me when you got the case that's at the top prize. And you play, let's make a deal. And all along, you held the case. Let me tell you, that is the way it is for the Christian life. We hold the case. We hold the most best treasure there is. We have Jesus Christ, a part of our life, who is not going to lead us the wrong way. He's not going to lead us astray. He's going to keep us on the straight and narrow. And though we may not see riches here, we will see riches there. And our reward will be in heaven. Think of it as a bank account that you can't spend it yet. A savings account that's there that's saving up. 
and you hold it, but the devil says, you just don't need to go and look in case number three. And you sacrifice the best case there is. Though you can't see its potential, you don't know what's there. You go after the case over there because that case over there looks better. It looks shinier. Think twice because you're dealing with a liar. Let me tell you also this before we leave here today. The devil needs to lie to deceive man. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians eleven three. but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion in Christ. The devil is intelligent. He knows he could lie to us about some things and we just wouldn't buy it. So we won't waste his time trying to deceive us and he won't waste his time trying to deceive us in an area where we're strong. Here's his strategy. Hit him in the weak points. Let's hit him where he's weak. And that's what he'll do. Let me give you three things that the devil actually studies about us. You didn't know the devil studies, but he does. He studies our likes. If you like acting, if you like making people laugh, if you like singing, if you like fast cars, if you like to party, go out dancing, if you like taste, taking risks, he knows that. Those things may not be wrong in themselves, but because the devil knows you like them, he'll use them to get you the things you shouldn't do. The sin may not be in the things you like, but the things you like may lead you to sin. He knows all about your desires, your dreams, your goals, and your ambitions. He studies your case, and if he can't exploit you by appealing to the things you like, he'll do it. God wants you to use the things you like to serve him. The devil wants to deceive you into using the right things for the wrong reasons. The devil also studies our needs. This tactic really hits most of us. It gets us the most. It's the one that knocks us down the most. And it shows what a low life scum the devil really is. He knows what we need emotionally. And he will use our deepest longings to slither into our lives and destroy us. He knows if we're lonely. He knows if we're depressed. He knows if we need attention. If we have a low level self-esteem, low level self-esteem, if we feel ugly, dumb, unimportant, if we have been abused, he knows. If we have never known what it means to feel loved unconditionally, he knows. And if we're nervous because we're getting older and we still aren't married, if we feel desperate, if we feel worried, if we feel scared, and he, he will use that vulnerability to get you. And then the enemy has used you. He'll walk away and leave you worse than you were before. He'll wound you deeply. Only Jesus can heal those hurts. Only Jesus can love you unconditionally. Only Jesus can protect you. So give your needs to him and don't let the devil rip you off. The devil also studies psychology on our mind. If some enemy country wanted to attack us, their strategy would probably be to hit our large cities and military bases first. Why? They are the strongholds of American power. Satan has a similar strategy to strike our first major stronghold, the mind. The enemy of your soul wages battle continually for the control of your mind. We must be aware of the serious dangers that will result of our mind if not yielded to Christ. What you think about, you will often do sooner or later. And I'm going to preach more on that next week. But what you think about, you will often do sooner or later. So make sure you're thinking about something that's pure and holy. And not something that the devil would want you to dwell your mind on. Because sin begins as a thought. You don't go out and murder somebody unless it's self-defense and that's completely different. You've already murdered them in your heart. You don't go out and cheat on your spouse until you cheated on them in your heart. Yeah. 
You don't go out and dive into the buffet. And speaking to me, unless you've done it already in your heart. Every day from every angle, we are bombarded with temptation produced images and ideas and their goal is to plant themselves in the brain, take root, and breed sin. You can't scroll through Facebook or Instagram or any social media without seeing a picture of somebody trying to sell something anymore. And those images are there for marketing purposes to try to get you to buy their product. And what's so crazy is they collect information from you and because they know I'm a pastor, they put up stuff like how to grow your church in 30 days. And they know that I want to click it and find out information. And they know that when I click it, that it says I will give you this free book on how to grow your church in, uh, twice the size in 30 days if you'll fill out your name, your telephone number, your address. Then they have all that information and they call you like crazy. That wasn't really the book, but it was something like that. There's something that was enticing to me. Let me tell you, you don't even have to look at the ads. The devil puts it on there. And it's there to plant itself in your brain and take root and breed sin. James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 says this, But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. The devil will take a tempting thought, and if you don't throw it out with the authority given to you in Christ, he will get you to dwell on it until the thought becomes sin. There's a lie that we've believed for so long. The devil doesn't know what I'm thinking. Truth is, he don't have to know what you're thinking. He just has to throw it out there enough for you to listen to it, for you to see it. He'll know you start thinking about it. 